everybody, Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, Jorge Masvidal out of his fight with Leon Edwards at UFC 269. Who should Leon Edwards fight? I also have an interview with BKFC president David Feldman about his upcoming event and the future of his new signees. Also, the UTC midweek mailbag. I answer your questions. It's all in one place. Leon Edwards not having an opponent because Jorge Masvidal, of course, out due to injury. If you don't know, it's breaking news. Jorge Masvidal out because of an undisclosed injury. That sucks. And so, anyway, what are Leon Edwards' options? Well, guess what? We have a tweet. And, you know, if you can't believe it, uh, when it's on Twitter, what can you believe, right? Here's the deal. This is Brett Akimoto from his official Twitter, spoke to Kamzat Shemaev's manager uh, too early to know what is going to happen, but Kamzat has been asking for a fight every day since, asking him for a fight every day since UFC 267. Just texted him when he saw the news of Masvidal's withdrawal. He said, call UFC now, we travel tomorrow. If you don't remember, Kamzat Shemaev absolutely destroyed Li Jinglong his last time out. Looked phenomenal. People going, oh, my God, title shot. This is the guy that can beat Kamar Usman. He's the one. He's the next Khabib. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but he hasn't beaten a top 10 guy, let alone a top five guy. Well, now he has one. Now there is one out there. Now we have a fighter. By the way, uh, do you happen to know fastest turnaround in UFC history? Who did that? That's right. Kamzat Shemaev, 10 days between fights. This would be a lot of notice for him. He could do this pretty easily. Took no damage in his last fight. I've had hard, harder sparring sessions than he had uh, d- destroying Li Jinglong. Wouldn't surprise me if this happens. Wouldn't surprise me if this, if, this, if this is on, if this is ready to go. This would answer a lot of questions about Kamzat Shemaev. Could answer a lot of questions about Leon Edwards. So, I'm not hating it. KOB, what's your first reaction, man? What's your first thought about this? Makes sense. (laughs) Yeah? It does. You have this guy guy everyone's big on right now. He was the talk of the town after after his last fight two weeks ago. He beats Leon Edwards, man. You could justify possibly giving him a title shot. Like, I'm just saying from the UFC side and from Chemayev's side, that makes all the sense in the world. So, here's the issue, people. We need new blood at 170. Would we like to see Leon Edwards fight for a title? Sure. Is anyone's blood pumping at the idea of that? Not very many. It, it, he deserves it. It would might be a good fight. I don't know. Um, but it's one of those things where Kamzat Shemaya, people get excited. People get interested. People want to see him. Just is what it is. So should he win this, that would put him right there in title contention, beating the number three guy. And let's assume it's as dominant as his last few fights have been. That would be incredible. So what do we have? We would have the next big contender at 170. That would get people excited. Kamzat Shemaev versus Kamaru Usman for the belt. Oh, hell yeah. People be all about that. The up-and-comer undefeated. 
what 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 is it? Two hundred forty-one and one. His strike differential in the UFC, something obscene like that. He slaughtered everybody. If he does that to Leon Edwards, we're talking title shot. We're talking quick. This would be an incredible meteoric rise in modern MMA to get a title shot and you know perhaps win the title so early on in his career. By the way, Jimmy, I don't know if you checked the chat, yes. but uh, Kelly Murphy just corrected you on uh, on the fastest turnaround in UFC history. I'm sorry. What is it? No, it I, is. I, she didn't send it to me. Yeah, well, it did, didn't she look did. like it. Yeah, she did. It was actually uh, Lupi Godinez who made the fastest turnaround recently. When seven was that? Was that after Shamayev? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. October that 9th. Was, that was what? A couple. That was. Yes. Couple, yeah. That was October. Yes, so October yes. 9th, then fought again October, October 16th. Yeah. So now you see why Kelly gets co duties on MMA Today. Like, she's, oh, she's on it. okay. I'm it's like that. Is that, is that. is that why I'm in with the Times, right? Right? You're not up to date. Right, I know I'm not. Being old does that to you, Cal. Being old, I'm just whatever. My mind is slow. The wheels aren't turning especially well. It just is what it is. And I appreciate you keeping me honest. That that does help. Anyway. You notice how I had to say it just to make sure that you didn't, you know, CPS or CSP it again? (laughs) I did not. I would never. I would never. There's one honest man within the two of you, and it's not you. Oh, it certainly is not me, for sure. My real name isn't even Jimmy. Anyway, my point is, uh, so uh, my point is, Kel, if you're so in, you're so with it, if you're in tuned and, and your mind is so lined up with him, man, you could totally do this job. Uh, who would you have Leon Edwards uh, fight now that Masvidal's out? I mean, Break waiting it down around, like only you can. Waiting around for Kamar Usman obviously doesn't seem like the smart thing to do in doesn't Dana White's work. eyes. Um, so I yep. guess it would kind of have to be Hamza Chimaev. Everyone wants to see him fight somebody in the top five, so why not? Colby's not going to be able to fight anytime soon. Doesn't look like Masvidal's going to be able to fight anytime soon, so the two of them should fight down the line. And then Leon and Hamza, let's do it. Apparently, that is the only one that right now makes sense. When there I look Luke. at it, there's no there is one Luke Colby. out there. There is, there is Luke, but... What what do we get? All right, if if we have Vicente Luque and Leon Edwards, number three and number four guy, it is a great fight. The winner might be in line for a title shot. That's certainly possible, but it it doesn't have that. Oh my God, this is the guy who can beat Leon Edwards. The winner of that, I'm sorry, who can beat um, Kamal Usman. The winner of that fight doesn't have that behind him. The winner of that fight, number three and number four, Vicente Luque and uh, Leon Edwards, doesn't have that. Wow, this guy can really unseat the champion. Nope. Kamzat Shemaev, should he beat Leon Edwards, he can really do it. I really believe that should Kamzat Shemaev defeat uh, Leon Edwards, there are people who will believe he can do the same thing to Kamar Usman. And I don't believe that the winner of Vicente Luque and Leon Edwards has that with fans. I don't. That's why I'm leaning toward that one too. Jimmy Dana White Smith over there. You're not going to give the good two, the two what? guys who what probably the most, You're not going to give the guys who are probably the most deserving of a title shot in Luque and Edwards. You're not just going to have them fight, have your title eliminator, and then find something else for Chimaev. Look, I wouldn't be against it at all. I wouldn't. I'd watch that fight. I find it entertaining. I like both of those fighters. 
But if you want to build up the next contender, you kind of got to strike while it's hot. And right now, Kamzat Shumayev is red hot. So see what he can do and see if he can pull it off. That might Dana be where White they go. Smith. And Dana Vicente Luque missed you know weight as the backup last weekend. <laughs> not a good look. What's up? Vicente yeah. Luque missed yeah, weight as the backup last weekend, though not needed. Not a good look. How much did he miss by? I think two and a half. Wasn't that 2. much? Two point two. Well, I forget. Uh, did, did, did any of them weigh? Did, did they weigh in already before he weighed in, or was he over before? I forget what the. Order I think was. I think they weighed in already, but optics wise, still not great. You're right, optics wise. If they both oh. weighed in, maybe he just had a drink in the back. It was like a he it. just was yeah. like, yeah. I'm yeah. not yeah. 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 absolutely. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what the order was of where he weighed in, but the other two weighed in already. He's probably just like, whatever. I'm not. <laughs> Not drinking water. Now. I love. By the way, I love how Kelly, the only one here who has never cut weight, is like, "Oh my god, unprofesh." And, no. and, and I love how KOB and I are like, "Yeah, yeah." I, I just said, that. "No, they weighed in already." You do you, absolutely. But I said, optics wise, it's not a good optics. What doesn't look good doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, I'd be like, so we got this. Where's Dana, the media light? Right? Dana, Dana White Smith, optics Kelly. And just nonchalant Russo, I guess, right now. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, they waited already. He doesn't need to keep suffering anymore. He's good. He's good. No problem. Okay. Apparently, so- I'm the only one who cares about fairness right now. <laughs> Yo, I care about fairness. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Dave Feldman, BKFC president. You hear me, bud? What's up, my man? How are you, Jimmy? Good. How are you doing, dude? So I'm going to back up a little bit to what I was talking about right before you came on. Hector Lombard, Lorenzo Hunt, give me some background. Be honest with me if you can. He steps in the ring, gets in the face of Hector Lombard. Hector Lombard ain't taking that. He is not that guy, if you know Hector Lombard. Boom, boom, just quickly lit him up. As a promoter, I'm really curious about this. Are you going... Oh, my God, what a breakdown. We don't want to see that. Are you going chitching? Love it. What are your thoughts when something like that happens in the ring? I really want to know, bud. I'm, I'm going very, very, to be very, very honest with you. So here's here's how it went down. At first, Please. I'm like, oh, shit, what just happened? Then I'm like, wow, this is great. It didn't break out into an all-blown riot. So this is amazing for us. That thing went viral. I mean, it went everywhere. So it was seen by millions and millions of people. So I was a little bit like Cha-ching, cha-ching. That was a great thing. Sure, but, but I'm really curious about that. So, 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 like, for example, um, the famous Showtime brawl, all right, when Jason Mayhem Miller got into it with Jake Shields and they all just started rumbling. Is there, like, okay, as long as it means contained, the guys push, like, you know, John Jones, DC, as long as they're not hitting each other and, like, okay, they can push and shove. But is there always that, oh, man, this, hopefully this doesn't blow up and we're all in big trouble. That's got to be on your mind as a promoter. So basically it's like if it stays between them and their camps and things like that, it doesn't pour out into the crowd because then, you know, there's a lot more liability there and it just looks like a, you know, kind of looks like you don't have a situation. I love it, to be honest with you. I love it as long as it doesn't go too far. Okay, so when you look at this fight tactically, when you look at Hector Lombard versus Lorenzo Hunt, Hector Hector Lombard is not a tall guy. He's short, he's stocky, he's powerful. Lorenzo Hunt, a lot of height, a lot of range. What are you looking forward to tactically from this main event, man? 
I mean, I just not a hundred percent sure, right? If it's the Hector that we're all used to, that you've commentated a ton of his fights, that walks yes. through those guys and tries to knock him out, I think Hector wins easy. If it's the Hector that's a little bit tentative and is not really sure of what to do in there, you know, not a hundred percent sure of his game plan for this one, then it could be a real tough fight for him. But you know, I I think. Because Hector actually asked for this fight. And, you know, when he asked for a fight, he wants that fight. So I think that because he asked for this fight, I think he's going to be prepared. I think he's going to walk right to the guy. And, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I think Hector's going to perform really well in this one. We're on to the co-main event, Luis Palomino versus Datwin. Uh, Luis Palomino, I've known him for a long time, man. MMA Masters, he's an OG in the fight game. Um, but recently, he got the Delta variant and gave a a a... a made a video from his his hospital bed saying hey man everybody get vaccinated this is very very important blah 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 and made a statement about how difficult a time he was having with covid how's he doing is everything all right has he been checked out fully that's very important to me man yeah absolutely man we went through every medical procedure possible to make sure he was right a whole slew of tests he's great he's in great shape everything's good with him he's a you know he said he's a hundred percent if not he's 99 percent. he's not anywhere like 80 or or 90%. He's there. Uh, Palomino's there. And he's fighting that in the win, right? That in the win's coming up from 135 pounds. He's the 135 pound BKFC champ. But he's been in there with some of the top boxers in the world. You know, he, he only lost once or twice as a professional boxer. So he's coming. I mean, this is going to be a barn burner. I think it's going to be a great fight. And I, and I definitely would not count that in the win out in this fight. So, uh, speaking, of course, of Dave Feldman, BKFC president, about Friday, November 12th, BKFC 22. Pearl Gonzalez, uh, of course, a, a, a UFC veteran, very outspoken, very brash. She is also one hell of a fighter in her transition to, um, in her transition to bare knuckle against Paige Van Zandt. I'm not joking. I thought it was the best she has ever looked. I think the style really fits her. What do you think about her signing everything she's done, bringing her into the fold? What about all that, man? That's great. I mean, she's a great personality. She's got a great following. She knows how to promote a fight. She knows how to do everything. And best of all, she, you know, she can fight with that. So she can fight. She's fighting one of our, you know, one of our top fighters, Britton Hart. Britton Hart will beat Paige Van Zandt, who does very, very well with the fighting championship. And, you know, it's going to be a great fight. The one thing is people do say about our organization a lot is when these new signees come in, we, they don't get fed, you know, very easy. They, they have to fight their way up. And as she's doing, she's fighting one of the top girls in the organization. If she beats Britton Hart, it says a lot about where Pearl Gonzalez is and a lot about where she's going to go. And, you know, we'll see what happens, but that's going to be a tremendous fight. I'm really looking forward to that one. When you sign somebody like, for example, like a Rachel Ostevich, the Paige Van Zandt fight, it, what what do your what do you look for in a signing like that? Because I kind of throw Pearl Gonzalez in that same category, who who looked better at BKFC eighteen than she had, I think, in her previous the the previous iteration of her combat sports career in mixed martial arts. I thought she looked better. What do you look for when making signings like this? Do you wonder how they're going to fit in style wise? I mean, I kind of do, but you know, I take a look at I take a look at their record. I take a look at some of their past fights and see what their strengths were. And you know, a lot of these. Girls and guys that I'm signing have very good stand-up skills, and that's why we bring them over. For instance, Lorenzo Hunt, two wins, four losses in MMA, two and zero as a pro boxer, comes over to bare knuckle, and he's seven and one. So yeah. this style suits him, and because in his MMA losses he got choked out, you know he didn't lose a stand-up battle, he didn't lose a real war, he got choked out. So that's the kind of thing we're looking for. We're looking to make sure these guys really have, and and girls have the heart to do this. And so far, these girls have shown 
more than anything, Jimmy, just tremendous, unbelievable heart. I got to ask you about a couple of signings. Mike Perry, Chad Mendez. Let's start out with Mike Perry. I kind of picked your brain about the promotional side of seeing two guys, you know, <laughs> brawl in the ring. Like, oh, a lot of the state's contained. We're okay. That's all right. When you sign a guy like Mike Perry, who has had a, loud, a lot of out-of-ring issues, he's a lot, had a lot of personal problems, he's had a lot of legal problems, do you talk to these guys at all about, like, hey, you got to keep your head on straight, we'll give you this contract, we'll sign you, but I don't want to see this kind of stuff happen, or do you consider that your responsibility? I'm very curious about that, because he's had a very controversial past, man. He's done some really bad things outside of the ring. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, he absolutely has, and we talked to him and his management team about – where he was in life prior to the signing. And, you know, he seems to be in a lot better spot. And, and, and then I can't lie, you know, I, I'm very honest. And then he did an interview with Ariel Hawani and he put a lot of question marks in my head. I wasn't really sure if he made the right decision there. Um, so, you know, we're going to see what happens now. You know, I thought everything was, was doing really, really well with them. We signed the contract and then I saw that. And at the end of the day, I didn't like that. But, you know, I talked to him the next day and he sounded perfect. So I don't know if that was – you know, some kind of show he was putting on or if that's him. So we're just going to see how that one, how that one plays out now. You know, unfortunately he has some problems in his past and hopefully he got everything, um, you know, situated and, and he's going to be good with us, but you know, we'll see. I've been dealing with fighters my whole entire life. So it's nothing new to me. Yeah. When, when you hear things and, and once again, on the promoter side, I'd like to pick your brain about that. Every time, um, Dana White's asked about, you know, a, a, a trouble Conor McGregor gets in or trouble Luis Pena gets in or any of this stuff. He says, well, you know, fighters, man, what are you going to do? And I, I got to be honest, as a former fighter myself, it sucks to be lumped in with, oh, you must be an idiot or you must be a problem. Or you must hit your girlfriend. I'm like, whoa, hey, the, the fact that it's somehow automatic. Right. And and. As a promoter, you want to make promote, you want to promote fights, you want to make money, you want to do these things, but you don't want to be associated with that kind of stuff. How difficult is riding that line, man? I mean, it it is. Yeah. It's a very very thin line because you know p- fighters are pegged as what you just said. Do they hit their girlfriend? Do they hit their wife? Yeah. Are they this guy? And most of them aren't. Most of them yeah. are great. Great. Experience. I actually just left a meeting with with the manager, and he was talking about you know you you don't have to deal with my fighters at all you only have to deal with me so you don't have to deal with the headaches from the fighters and i and i said to him in front of him i said usually my headaches are with the managers not with the fighters the fighters <laughs> people i dealt with them i got problems with some of the managers because i can't really deal with them as much but you know it's it's a fine line that you're riding here but you know at the end of the day it's like i said i've been in this my whole life like literally my whole entire life my father trained seven world champions he managed a countless amount of fighters i've really been in this since i've been a baby and I know, you know, I know how to deal with a lot of these guys. And I think that's why the organization is really growing from that respect that a lot of fighters want to fight for. So I get along with every single one of the fighters in one way or another. And I know how to talk to them. I know how to, you know, get them down the right path, really. So that's why I don't see Mike Perry. You know, he could could be a little difficult, but I think I, I, I think we'll pull him in the right way. What about Chad Mendez, a guy who, generally speaking, uh, you haven't had a lot of those stories about him. He's a, a, a state, a straight, as you say, a stand-up fighter. He likes to bang, very athletic, very physical, a title challenger in the UFC. What are your thoughts about him in the future, man? Uh, he's great, man. I think he's. I think stylistically, he's going to he's going to uh, fit well for BKFC. He's going to make his debut 100% in February. He, he just had a baby, I believe, or he's about to have a baby any day, and that's why you know it, it kind of hindered him. Um, 
getting his first fight off. But like you said, he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of trouble. He's an avid hunter. He's really, really well respected by the hunting community and obviously the fighting community. He's a good dude. Every conversation I have with him has been great. So I'm really looking forward to getting him in there, getting his opponent announced and announcing that card. That's going to take place in February. Uh, well, I'm looking forward, of course, to BKFC 22, November 12th, this Friday. I really appreciate you, man, coming on, giving us your honest opinions about all this stuff because it's very important. We don't often get the promoter perspective of all these issues, man. I appreciate your honesty, Dave. Thanks for joining us, bud. Thank you, Jimmy, man, and, and good luck and best wishes to everything you're doing, man. You're killing Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Dave Feldman, BKFC president. Remember, catch BKFC 22 Friday, November 12th at the James L. Knight Center in downtown Miami. Broadcast live on the Bare Knuckle TV app. In addition to globally on Fight TV, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL, taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. We have your mailbag questions, right? Um, it's been a crazy week. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of crazy, absolutely weird news. But anyway, uh, I still have time every time for your questions. And KOB, that makes his week, is going through these, picking out the right ones. He absolutely loves it. KOB, do you not? Is that the highlight of your week? It can be fun at times. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Enthusiasm. That's what I love. So, uh, anyway, so, KOB, you've gone through them. You found the gems. Okay, so go ahead and hit me with the first one. Answer my question! All right, this first one comes from Mike in Montana. He says this one goes out to the whole staff. What is the number one fight that you would suggest a new viewer to watch to get them into MMA? Ooh! I mean, let's go with the let's go with the 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 all time greats, and I think the all, one of the all time greatest of the great. I'm showing a new guy or gal, whatever. Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald, too. Bloody, violent, back and forth, technical, strong, uh, champion versus perennial contender. There was a little bit of everything. That is my number one. You want to be a fan? You show. If they don't like that, you're just not a fan, and this is not going to work. Right? Good. But that is number one to me. Any argument there? No argument there for me, and I hate to probably steal a Kelly Murphy answer. Literally any fight from Justin Gaethje. Pretty much any way you go. I used to joke around and say that even uh, Gaethje-Michael Johnson, Gaethje's first fight in, I'm like, that one was so back and forth and through. like, And that one was even low stakes. Like That was just the debut of Justin Gaethje. That's MMA right there. Like, just the, this back and forth nature and, like, just breaking someone's will. I don't think you could go wrong with any Justin Gage fight, except for the couple quick knockouts he had. You have James Vick um, and Cerrone. But other Cowboy, than that... Blue through Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. Any other Justin Gage fight, I think, is your smooth sailing right there. I think you will make a new fan letting people watch that man work. But but here's my question. What about a, a fight that kind of shows everything? Because what about Gage, you know, doesn't wrestle much, doesn't use a real submission game. You know... You, 
I'd be a fan, but you wouldn't really get here. Can here's what can happen in a ju in a in a a uh, an MMA fight with the jujitsu with the wrestling with that. like it doesn't give you a sampling of everything because he doesn't do everything. So is that an issue for you guys? Because are you showing a fan basically a boxing match with MMA gloves on, or are you showing them something that sh- that shows a lot of the sport? You know what I mean? I get your point there. For me, I would just want to make sure like. Yeah. You watch this, and you go like I said. Like even even Gaethje Chandler, uh, my brother, who doesn't really care that much about MMA, was texting me about that fight and was like, "That's one of the that's my favorite UFC fight I've ever seen in my entire life." I think that spectacle of just seeing like, especially like with a Gaethje, someone who could just take punishment and keep walking through it and then still find the win. I, I think that's what brings people in. I think sometimes they get lost in the grappling or they get they, they find it boring. I think if you're getting a new fan and you're sitting them down, this is the first fight they're ever going to watch. Yeah, you you go with fireworks. You you go with there's a back and forth brawl. All right, Kelly Kell, what's your contribution to our discussion? I'm sure now that he took literally every Gaethje fight off the table, you get to show how educated mm-hmm. you are as a fan. Go ahead. I was gonna go with Wei Li Yoana. I've watched that myself like 30 times, and Jesus, right? you gotta see how the ladies get down. That was vicious, and I loved every second of it. All right, here's here's an idea. Although it went the distance, uh, that much like obviously Yuana and um, uh, Yuana and uh, Wei Li Zhang did, I, I, DC versus Stipe, the third one of the trilogy. They like they, they clinched. They did it was it was exciting. It was back and forth, but there was enough that I could say, hey, these are the different areas in which we strike in MMA. There were takedown attempts and all this stuff. There was enough in there to show you MMA, but there was also enough in there to make it interesting in terms of the standup. So. Those would be definitely on my list. Absolutely love those. And there are a million in pride I could show you, but those would be my, my ones for the UFC. So next. You've got mail. All right, this next one comes from Don that says, Hello, Jimmy. Uh, you make a comment regularly that this guy slash girl or that guy slash girl has good jujitsu. Are you referring specifically to their jujitsu as it relates to MMA or their jujitsu as a whole? Uh, finally, with Glover Teixeira winning the, the light heavyweight title, what age do you think jiu-jitsu practitioners begin to see a, a significant decline in their game, realizing there are a few freaks of, freaks of nature and exceptional individuals out there, but as a general observation? All right. Okay. Those are two very good questions. The first one is, a lot of the times I don't know how good someone's jiu-jitsu is outside of MMA these days. When I see Michael Chiesa uh, do his thing in in MMA, I've never seen Michael compete in jiu-jitsu. I've never seen him do that. The generation I knew where I was going to jiu-jitsu tournaments and seeing guys on the mat, Nick Diaz, Jake Shields, blah, blah, I could go on and on and on, uh, Jacare and all these guys, and then they would turn around and do MMA. That's gone. I don't go to jiu-jitsu tournaments anymore. So I'm not seeing them competing in jiu-jitsu unless they do like a big tournament, Pan Ams, Abu Dhabi, something like that. All right, then, then I'll see them. But what has happened in the last few years is there are professional grapplers who are winning ADCC trials and all this stuff and doing these, these grappling tournaments and Polaris and EBI and stuff. And then there are fighters and rarely they're not, rarely are they the same person? Rarely is someone so good uh, with their jujitsu that they're doing jujitsu competitions and MMA like Gilbert Burns was just in when he got submitted. Okay, and he's a world champion. 
It's just if you're not doing it full-time, you're going to lose. So a lot of times I don't know how good they are in, you know, quote-unquote pure jiu-jitsu because I'm not at jiu-jitsu tournaments anymore watching them compete. I'm not. I'm only seeing them in MMA. So unless you're old school like Damian Maya, whom I saw compete plenty before I saw him in MMA, I, unless you go back that far, I don't know. So I'm almost always simply referring to their jiu-jitsu skills in mixed martial arts. I don't see them that often. Um, as far as, as MMA, as far as jiu-jitsu and what, what age you start losing it, it really depends on your style. Much like boxing or kickboxing or anything like that. If you're a speed, mobility, attack, 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 a lot of different positions kind of guy, you can peak very young because your body just won't do that very long. If you are a pressure passer and you're just putting weight on guys and crushing them and, and, and methodical game, you can do that for a long time and still be very, very successful. So it depends a lot on your style. But there are guys with a pressure passing game that are successful to this day competing for years and years and years. And that's what you see, for example, with Glover Teixeira, who's 42 years old. The guy is not doing Barambolo guard. I know a lot of you don't know what Barambolo guard is, but it's a really... It's an inverted upside-down kind of guard that the kids do these days, okay? He's not rubber guarding. He can't comb his hair with his feet. He doesn't do that, okay? He's too old for that stuff. My game in jiu-jitsu used to be really fast. I used to move a lot. I used to exchange positions a lot and all that stuff. As I've gotten older, I use pressure passes. I crush people, and that's it. I'm too old to go, you know, moving around with a 25-year-old kid, okay? So that's what you have to keep in mind. How long you can do it, much like boxing, where... Fighters who were super-duper fast, you know, Meldrick Taylor couldn't really do it at the elite level in his 30s. He just, you know, didn't really work. So if you don't rely on speed, Bernard Hopkins, a technician, he did it till he was 50 because he, requ- re- he didn't rely on the physical gifts that fade with time. It's the same thing in jiu-jitsu. If you have a, a, a simple technical pressure game, you can do it for a long time. Next. Message. All right, next up, this comes from Johnny, who says, Hey, Jimmy, so is there an auto rematch with Caleb's sweet hands, Plant, and Canelo? If so, how reasonable are Caleb's chances? Jimmy, I'm a huge fan of the show and holding common with you that boxing was my first love. I resisted MMA for a long time, like I think a lot of people did, but lately I've been feeling like the old days of boxing with Fury, sweet hands, and even Lopez's uh, that are out there. I really thought Plant uh, boxed Canelo, and despite his lack of power, Despite his lack of power matchup, I'm curious if you think a rematch between Sweet Hands has a realistic chance. Do you want the simple answer to that question, KOB? I think so. Yeah. Here's the deal, KOB. You are. What's your boxing fandom? A lot, slightly above casual. You watch the big fights. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. No, yeah. slightly above casual. Yeah. Like I, for nowadays, because there's so much MMA to keep up with, it's a little bit tougher. Um, but I used like I used to watch HBO boxing every weekend. It didn't matter who was on the card. Like. Do you remember that? Like, what was it? Saturday, Friday night fights. Like yeah, that. Friday night fights. Like, yeah, Tuesday night fights watch, on ESPN. Yeah, I'd watch all those things all the time. It's gotten a little bit more casual as I've gotten older, uh, but I'm still a boxing fan. Yeah, great. So you're the perfect person to ask. How excited would you be about a Plant Canelo rematch? Not that much. Not very. Not <laughs> very. Yeah, Caleb Plant did better than I thought he was going to do. I mean, I wasn't knocking Caleb Plant. He's a good boxer. But Canelo is just a beast, man. Like, I knew he was probably getting knocked out at a certain point. There's your answer. Promoters need the KOBs of the world. Who It's it's very simple, right? Like, I have a limited amount of time. Because of this show, we have to watch a lot of MMA 
We watched the big boxing matches. For example, I did watch, of course, Canelo Plant. Other than that, I don't have a lot of time to sit here and watch a bunch of boxing. So you got to really sell me to get me to buy a pay-per-view, especially a rematch of a fight you lost. If I'm not super excited, you got to find the next person that will make the fans super excited about Canelo Alvarez. And unfortunately, it's not Caleb Plant. Not that it's not out there. But people are already talking about what's getting thrown out now. Charlo Benavidez, a great champion at 174, 168. He is fantastic. Uh, Bitter Biev at 174. That dude hits like he stole something from him. Right? There are names out there that we'd go, okay, I got to watch that. Right? Yeah, there's there's that. And just to answer his question, I, I tried. To, I looked it up. Uh, I don't believe Caleb Plant had a rematch clause. I Canelo had a, no. Canelo had a rematch clause if he lost, but I don't think Caleb Plant gets anything if he lost. Guys, um, the way these contracts work, Canelo calls the shots. Yes. Right. So he'll get a rematch clause. You don't. Okay. And I do not think Canelo's going to activate it. There are bigger fish to fry. Next. Mail, motherfucker. All right. This, this one's a good one. Uh, this comes from Jack, who says, hey, guys, uh, when is it too early to put up Christmas lights? Because my neighbor has them up right now, and I want to report them. Am I the crazy one? I think this, I think Thanksgiving is the cutoff. Booyah. I, I, this is, I, it's in the Constitution, right? It's a federal <laughs> it law, be. right? It, it should have been. Be. Yeah, it should be. Th- anything before Thanksgiving is too early. Acknowledge Thanksgiving as a holiday, Okay. Celebrate with family, and then what do you do? You know what my uh, Thanksgiving tradition in my family is? We 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 eat my mom's food, which by the way, Thanksgiving, she is off the chain for like a regular dinner. Thanksgiving is unreal if my mom makes it. A lot of times it's my aunt; she's an amazing cook as well. And we all sit there afterward. We're all full. We play board games and we watch how the Grinch stole Christmas. And it's the start, right? To us, it's the start. That's what we do at the end of Thanksgiving. In the evening, we sit there, we play board games, we put on. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Because it's almost like, okay, now Christmas starts, right? Now, is that not acceptable to everybody? That's acceptable. Thank you. But I also feel like for our younger viewers out there, we may have to specify this. You were referring to the old school cartoon, cartoon. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Not the Jim Carrey (laughs) Grinch Stole Christmas. Which I thought was a pretty good remake. Like, I thought he did a pretty good job. That was an entertaining movie. But I mean the original cartoon, right? Boris Karloff. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, A little trivia. Do you know the voice that, that sang... You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh, this is going to bother me. Tony the Tiger. Yes. Yeah, Tony the Tiger from, obviously, the the, the Kellogg's commercials. Same voice. Anyway, now you know. So, yeah, anything before Thanksgiving, you're a communist and get out of my country. (laughs) Something is wrong with you. Get out of my country. Right? I do think you should be able to legit like complain to your town hall mayor and be like, no, not yet. There should be be rules. Go to the HOA. Like, seriously, like, there's another holiday. Thanksgiving's there. Like, there's no need to start getting ready for Christmas already. All right, here's another one. How late does someone have them up before they're automatically trash? I will go. Because having around all year, you're trash. You're trash. Okay, Look, so uh, what's uh, trash? I understand a little bit of procrastination. You got, you know, January 1st. I think that first week of January is where they should all go. Yes. Yeah. Somewhere within that. Maybe, like, the end. I'll even but give you the you very trash? beginning of the What are you ne- trash? Like, this person's trash. I think January seventh on. Yes, because I get there. Like, <laughs> Kelly like is so said, firm. Like, you have one week busy. into the new year. Well, because you're busy between like Christmas and New Year's. I get like some people are traveling. Whatever it is, it is. Okay, I'll give you those seven days. In theory, it really should be down by January second. 
but I'll give Whoa. you till the seventh before I call you trash. How is your January second typically, Kel? Well, my January 1st is pretty bad because the 31st <laughs> is usually when it goes hard. Right, exactly. So your second, you could still be feeling the effects of the 31st. Yeah, first. it's just could you not? still recovering right. for sure. So it's funny how harsh you are when I'm damn sure you're not climbing on a roof, pulling down Christmas lights. I don't recover. put my lights up, nor do I take them down. The- <laughs> Kel kidding? is like, excuse me, I do not do that. All right, cool. I get it. Next up. Answer my question. All right, there's, this will be our last one for the day. There's actually one for you and one for me. I don't know why I'm getting this question. but I love it. This comes from Keith, who says, Hey, KOB, <laughs> hey, KOB Hollywood and hottest hater, double H. For, for <laughs> double, instead of triple H, we have double H. <laughs> double H, uh, Kelly Kell, the hottest hater. So it says, first question for you, KOB. Over the years, we have seen that if a fighter comes into the UFC with a strong wrestling base, they can do pretty damn good. It seems to be one of the most important skills to have. What skill set, in your opinion, is the least important? Uh, poor striking, poor submission game. What is the least important skill in MMA? He throws out judo, wrestling, striking, B, uh, BJJ. If you could only pick three to be good at, uh, what would, what skill would you not pick? For me, from based on what he's given me, judo. Like you can be really good at judo. Yeah. I don't know how much it really translates to. Set. We're seeing it more on the female side, like with Ronda Rousey, Kayla Harrison. Like that skill set is through the roof. But I also say that women's MMA, I, you still see a lot of uh, headlock takeovers, take, headlock takedowns that yeah, you don't see on the men's side as much. Yeah, which are extremely rare in, in um, men's MMA, yeah. Who's been like the – I can't think of it, Jimmy. Like who's been a really good like judo practitioner that excelled? Caro is the oh, last yeah, one I remember. Caro right? Parisian, yeah, yeah. Right? And that was a long time ago. So I feel like it's not a bad skill to have. I mean you still know how to throw people, and, and if you put your weight wrong for one second, they can toss you. To me, I think that's the least. The skill. least is judo. And and also, I mean, if you look at them, you know, if you look at the champions right now, Nganu, Teixeira, Adesanya, Usman, Oliveira, Volkanovsky, Sterling, Moreno, none of them have decent judo. None of them were judicas, right? Like, got decent submissions with Charles Oliveira and Glover Teixeira. But, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty rare that we see that style translate. That would be my, my definitely my least effective. Was there another question uh, there? Yes, yeah, there's a second one here for you. So, uh he says, second for Hollywood. Uh, everyone gets on the UFC for only paying 20% to fighters, but why, do we he- why don't we hear what percentage the, organi- the other organizations pay fighters? Do you think fighters don't complain about other organizations because they can make more money from sponsors? Do you think if the UFC allowed fighters to have their own fight, fight sponsors again, they wouldn't complain about the pay? They'd complain either way, probably. Uh, it would alleviate things if, if they allowed them to have their own sponsors. Um, but... I read somewhere recently that Bellator is damn near 50%, but it's skewed because Bellator doesn't have the revenue of the UFC. So I'm sure a startup promotion that's just coming up pays more than they, you know, 70%, 80%, but they're also not making much money. So the percentage game is a little skewed when you talk about the money coming in via various promotions, you know. So that's the difficulty. It is, 100%. Is, you can have percentages, but it's true. Anyway, do you think, so... Well, do, here's another oh, question. Do you, do you think that the UFC fighters would be complaining a little bit less about fighter pay if they were allowed to have their own fight sponsors again? Probably less, yeah. Probably less. Um, we didn't hear it as much back in the day when they did. But... And then I heard of fighters, you know, doubling their pay with sponsors. Like, easily doubling their pay. Making twice what they were making fighting with this and that and, and and now it's gone which gives the ufc more leverage but also makes the fighters suffer a bit more and complain a lot more and that's the deal 
Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. Sirius XM Podcasts.